Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with... Jeff Rappaport. Today, guys, we're going to be talking about uh, the pros and cons of different creative financing strategies um, that you can use out there. There's a lot of uh, investors who get confused on uh, the different types of strategies. Um, so we just wanted to go over this again. This is kind of a, you know, a 101, Creative Financing 101. We've talked about this uh, numerous times before, especially in the beginning of our podcasts. We went over the different uh, strategies that we use and then pros and cons of those. So we just wanted to touch on that again, um, especially for you know newer investors. Uh, they definitely get confused about you know the language used um, for creative financing and how to structure the deal. So let's uh, dive into it, Jeff. You know, I, I, I like the way that you put that. And I, I think what I would add is that whether you're new or even a little more experienced, I, I think we get comfortable using a particular strategy and then we try to make... Uh, everything kind of work within that strategy, which is really not the, the purpose of using creative finance, right? It's to, to provide new solutions and um, not try to make everything fit into, uh, you know, our little puzzle piece. So um, what, what I think we'll do is we'll talk about these strategies um, you know, how, and they differ, you know, as far as like where you're doing this. And so we'll talk about why, you know, uh, some of the different markets might, you, you might use one strategy as opposed to a different one somewhere else. And, uh, and what you're trying to accomplish, you know, what, what your exit strategy is may also have a lot to do with the kind of strategy that you are making offers to sellers four. So, yeah. Um, all right. So uh, Jonathan, let, let's start here. Um, let's try to, and, and really what I did is I identified six different strategies. Now this isn't all inclusive, right? Um, we, we definitely could have included options and some other things, but these are the six that, that I use the most frequently. And uh, and I think in general, most investors use the most frequently. Okay. So let, let's start with identifying what you think would be the six different strategies. Okay. So um, the six strategies, let's see, subject to correct one strategy, lease option is another yes. strategy. Um, All-inclusive trust deed and wrap yep. is another one. Um, contract for deed is yep. one and then um let's see what am i missing contract for deed 
one of them's kind of sneaky um it's just trustee to note oh trustee yeah um and then the other one is subordination yeah that's that's the one i was actually thinking of is subordination yeah so that those are the six i think that we'll focus on and first of all i I won't i want to talk about maybe what are some of the reasons um what 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 at least what what are some of the things that you'd want to know about the market that you're in um, before trying to figure out which strategy because the market does have something to do with um, what you're trying to accomplish and when I say the market they they may have some rules guidelines and or costs involved with. Um, different things that make one strategy a little more prohibitive than another. Right. And like, for example, contract for deed, um, you know, not every state allows that, I think. Um, well, first of all, it comes with a number of names, right? Um, right. Agreement for sale. Um, uh, there's all kind of land contract. There's a number of different ways. And, um, and we'll talk about what makes that particular strategy unique. But what what in particular are some things, you know, in, uh, in our market, we're in Utah, taxes are fairly low here. And uh, in some of the other markets across the country, Illinois, Texas, um, uh, even Florida to some degree, taxes are much higher. And so wouldn't it be a smart thing to know what do your taxes run in a particular market in terms of, you know, are they higher? Are they kind of mid range? Are they lower? Um, Because once you, some of these strategies will make you pay for taxes and some will allow you to pass the taxes on to your buyer. Um, and that th- those kinds of things are important to know up front. So can you think of any others that might um, contribute to what type of strategy? And you're right. Um, not every, every market is going to, and certainly we, we can break this down even further. It's not even about every market. It's about every title company or attorney is not going to want to do certain things. Like they're not going to want to wrap FHA loans. They're not going to want to use contract for deed or a land contract. So you, you may have to do searching within a market to find uh, title companies and attorneys that are willing to work with you. But regardless of that, um, there's one other thing that that comes to my mind right off the bat that um, is kind of important. And what's that? It is transfer tax. Uh, and uh, so when, when you are buying and or selling a property, you're having a closing, there are states that have transfer tax and there's some states where transfer tax is significant. And when I say significant, it might be 1%, it might be less than 1%, but I've seen states where it's up to almost 2%. And when I say 2%, 2% of the sales price. And so if you're, 
if you're thinking, hey, I want to buy something on terms and then sell on terms, that you're basically going to have two closings and yeah, uh, two sets of that, pay right. those taxes twice. Yeah, if two sets of transfer tax is going to wreck your deal, that you, you better be aware of that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you don't want to go and make those offers, get them accepted, and find out a little bit later that, uh, you know, hey, now what do I do? Because that's not really what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something we don't have here in Utah. So it's not something right. I really think about much, Yeah, <laughs> but you do, you do deals all over the nation. So you run into it quite a bit. Yeah. Well, and, and even going back to the property tax that, um, you know, it might make more sense, you know, that you, you're going to run into markets where the rental rates are much higher um, based on the purchase price. And then you're going to run into markets where the rental rate is significantly less than the purchase price, right? The rent to price ratio. Uh-huh. Um, so all of these things are, they're not necessarily deal breakers, although they can be for a specific type of deals. But it's something that you want to know ahead of time before you say, hey, I'm going to go start doing um, wraps and, you know, uh, whatever market you may be in before you understand some of the details. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So what I thought we'd do is we'd break down each of these. We'd talk a little bit about what it means to do them, both as a buyer and as a seller, um, kind of compare and contrast. And then um, we'll, we'll use an example or two on how we can use each strategy and still try to accomplish what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's start with um, trustee to note. What, what, uh, how would you describe that? So trustee to note uh, is, you know, as it relates to seller financing or creative financing is where uh, an owner owned uh, the, the seller owns a property free and clear. And um, you can buy that property from that seller on a trustee to note, uh, just as you do with any bank. When you buy a house, you get a mortgage on that uh, house and the bank records a what's called a trustee and note against the title in first position so that if you default on that loan they can uh, take the house back via foreclosure same thing with a a seller who owns a property free and clear they can take a down payment from you and then transfer title to you and record a first position trustee to note or mortgage you know it's depending on what state you're in but they can record that against the property and they would have to go through the same procedure uh, the same uh, foreclosure procedure in that state to get the property back uh, in the event of default. Well, that that was a much more detailed answer than I was expecting, but thank you. <laughs> um, all right, so trustee to note, really, it, first of all, let, let's talk about that we have two states, two kinds of states throughout the country where we have a trustee state or we have a mortgage state. Right. And so if when we talk about trustee to note, we're also talking about mortgage, right? Because yep. same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just 
they use different documents and some different paperwork, but right. does the, exactly the same thing. So um, this is only going to be used. That this is the part that I picked out really quickly. This is this strategy is only used when the property is free and clear. There's no mortgage on it, and um, and for you to understand some quick, easy things about it is. It's exactly the same way that a conventional bank or lender will make you a loan. Now, if you were going to buy a house and you applied for a loan, that uh, they would make you a loan and it would be through a trustee to note. The note outlines, outlines all of the, the terms of the note, you know, how long, what interest rate, uh, amortized over how much time. Um, what your monthly payment is, and uh, uh, you know, late fees, all that kind of stuff. And the trustee part connects it to the property. And uh, just as a mortgage would do in a mortgage state. So right. gives the, the bank the collateral against the property, and then outlines all of the terms of the note. Um, pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, and if you've ever gone to the bank and gotten a loan, um, this is what you've gotten is a trustee note or a mortgage. All yeah. right. Okay. So now let's talk about what an all-inclusive trustee to note is or a wraparound mortgage. Okay. So an all-inclusive trustee or wraparound mortgage is where there's uh, an existing loan in place. There's already a trustee in place and you're setting up another uh, note uh, or another trustee and note, but you're uh, combining the two. And uh, so, for example, if someone had a house that they had a mortgage of a hundred thousand on, and their payments was say six fifty a month, and you turned around and gave them uh, pretty much like a second note, um, and if you're going to pay them for you know one hundred and fifty uh, with say and say nothing down in this example. Um, you could do an all-inclusive deed where uh, you take uh, that mortgage that in its existing place, and then you also include in one trust deed or all-inclusive or wraparound mortgage uh, the second note of a hundred or of fifty thousand. So there's kind of this two-part to it. It's you know the first mortgage and then the second mortgage. Is that accurate, Jeff? It's accurate. Um, let, let me try to simplify it a bit. Uh, so really, all-inclusive is exactly the same as the trustee to note, except we're dealing with existing financing. There's debt owed on the property. And when we create what's called a wrap is that we are including the underlying debt as part of our note. So we might do an exact wrap, which would be just the debt that's owed on the underlying mortgage, or we might create a whole new note, which would be uh, just like you had mentioned, the note plus the seller's equity. Yeah. Um, but for right now, the, the main thing is, is that this is what we would use when there is debt owed by the seller, as opposed to the trustee to note when the property is free and clear. Right. Okay. Perfect. All right. So what about contract for deed or agreement for sale or land contract or any number of the other things that may be called? 
So this is a type of cell where uh, the title does not actually transfer uh, transfer to uh, the buyer until this contract is fulfilled. And uh, the, the best example we've always used is when you go out and buy a car um, and you get a loan on that car, the title does not go to you. It actually goes to the lien holder um, of, of that loan, right? So that whoever gives you that, say the bank gives you a loan on a car, well, the, the title is sent to uh, the bank. The bank holds on to that title until you pay off that car. Once that's done, they release the lien and send you the, the title to the car. Same thing with a house. You can buy a house on a contract. And uh, once you fulfill that contract, title actually transfers then now there's some documents used up front like you know quit claim deed and other things that you sell or i mean sign up front um that kind of solidifies it there's a bill of sell uh the initial contract for deed slash agreement right so uh this is a way to protect the seller really um because it's a much easier uh, way to retake the property in case of a default. So less risky on the seller side, more risky on the buyer side because title isn't transferred up front. Good. Um, <clears throat> we can use this particular strategy when? So we if can, there's debt without debt, what, when can we use it? So both, if there's debt, if there's no debt, um, yeah, both. Okay. So um, that, that's, it, uh, and this is it. just based on the seller's, uh, you know, comfort level, really. Um, maybe it's a deal killer if they feel that they have to transfer title to you. And so you can say, well, you know, we can do this via contract for deed. And when I fulfill that contract, then title transfers. Um, but there can be existing debt on it. Uh, that doesn't matter, you know, as long as that payment's covered. Okay. Good. All right. How about subject two? So subject two is where uh, title transfers from seller to buyer, except there is no uh, additional um, security uh, for the the uh, seller on title. Meaning that if you were to default, there's no way that they can. There's no recourse for the seller to take back that property. It's just you signing title over to a buyer um, without recording a uh, an all-inclusive trust deed um, or uh, you know a, a contract for deed. Um, and so there's it, so for a subject two, the the pros and cons really are. So for a seller, it's it's a lot riskier because there's no recourse. Someone could uh, you could deed your property over to someone else. They can default on that, wreck your credit if if there's existing debt, and you have no way to take the property back. There, there definitely is existing debt. Oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Subject to the debt. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, with that, they, they can't take the property back because they don't have anything recorded on uh, title to, to do so. So to summarize, uh, when you are taking a property subject to, the seller is deeding you their property. They are remaining liable for the mortgage or the trustee to note. So they're staying on the loan, but they are giving you title to the property, ownership to the property. 
just as when we talked about with the trustee to note giving the bank collateral, in this case, there is no collateral unless you were to go an additional step to try to give collateral to the seller. Um, right. That to simplify, basically, I'm buying a property and I'm buying it with the debt that's already on it. Right. Okay. All right. How about subordination? Um, how would you describe that? So seller subordination is where uh, the seller is taking a second position trustee or mortgage on the property. And there is going to be a first position recorded on the property. And uh, this is a scenario in which maybe the seller doesn't have much left on their principal balance. And you're able to borrow money to pay out that existing mortgage that's currently in first position. You're recording a new uh, trust deed and note on the property in first position. And then you're recording uh, a second position or a second trust deed and note, um, securing the seller's equity in second support, uh, second position or subordinating the first, right? So, so again, the seller is allowing you, uh, the seller is willing to take their equity in second position and subordinate to a new first mortgage or trustee to note. Um, and you're right. In a lot of the examples that we show, um, the debt that the seller owes usually has to be pretty small. However, in some different scenarios, it doesn't really matter as long as our new loan will cover what, whatever that existing debt is, right? There, the seller's debt can't be left on the property because then we would not be able to borrow in first position. So, yeah. um, so if you think about no money down deals, things like that, little to no money down deals, subordination really allows you to do exactly that and still give the seller maybe what it is that they may need up front. Yeah, bigger down payment Yeah, um, or get rid of that existing debt so that the you can give more to the seller and some you know monthly payments in some scenarios yep <clears throat> all right last one lease option um uh how does this one work the lease option is very simple you have a lease so you have a tenant um that you're leasing the property to and they have a option to buy that property um, for you can, it could be a, a stipulated amount up front and a stipulated uh, time frame, um, or it could be open ended. Really, lease options uh, allow someone to take control of the property, but not ownership of the property. Um, and these, uh, a lot of times, you you hear people talking about doing master lease options where they uh, are leasing a property with an option to buy and then they they'll find a you know a tenant that uh, can hopefully buy the property in one to two years and they'll they'll be the master lease on that um, lease options uh, give you know no no control of ownership to uh, your tenant right because they're just leasing it and if if your tenant defaults, then you just go through the eviction process. Um, and if that tenant doesn't exercise their option at the end of its term, then, um, you know, you can write up a new option or, uh, you know, you, 
you typically collect an option deposit up front. So that option deposit is yours, regardless if they execute the option or not. So uh, simply put, uh, it is two agreements. It's a lease and then there is an option. And uh, the way that it is structured normally is that the buyer has the option. The seller does not. So as long as whatever is agreed to and then is performed on during that period of time, that the buyer has the right to buy or the buyer has the right to walk away. And the seller just has to follow because that's what they've agreed to do. Right. So, right. Um, and, but we'll, we'll get into more details of lease options and um, control and, um, and how that all works. But uh, okay. So in this episode, what we've done is uh, we, we've identified six strategies that, uh, and, you know, I think a lease option is really, interesting because you know you called it an option deposit but i hear a lot of people call it down payment um i hear a lot of people call it your buyer yeah it is more of a tenant slash buyer um so uh, understanding some of the terminology and using it correctly one gives you a lot more credibility with sellers <laughs> and if you're talking to other investors you're not confusing them so right uh, you know, you're not getting a down payment. You are getting an option deposit, basically saying, I, "I'm you're paying me to have the right to buy this property at some point in the future." Right. So we've gone through these six strategies. Uh, next episode, what we're going to do is we're going to break them down about, you know, what what happens in certain circumstances using each one of these strategies. So that you understand, you know, who's on title, who's not on title, um, you know, foreclosure, forfeiture, eviction, whatever. So we're going to break these down. And then um, probably the following two episodes, we will take an example or two and you know, show an example of how each one of these strategies could work on a you know, fairly similar example. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, guys, you know where to find us. Uh, all of our episodes are archived at the creative financing podcast.com. Um, please join our Facebook group at the creative financing podcast. If you have not done so already, uh, we're trying to build that group out and build a community that can help each other uh, when it comes to creative financing. Uh, if you guys are interested in Jeff's apprenticeship program, you can email Rebecca, that's R-E-B-E-C-C-A at weofferoptions with an S.com. Um, he just revamped his program and uh, I believe you have an accelerated program now and then a uh, go at your own pace. Is that right, Jeff? That is, and it's literally broken down week by week of what you need to be doing. Yep. So if you guys are just getting started, you're interested in that, um, you already know how Jeff is a great uh, coach and mentor. Uh, so check that out for sure. If you guys are interested in our Creative Financing Academy for details, please email Jeff. That's J-E-F-F -F at weofferoptions with an S dot com. And uh, if you're just wondering what it might be like, um, we have a little video that you can watch uh, that uh, kind of 
takes you through step by step on coming up with creative financing offers. And then Jeff talk goes into the exit strategy and how he made money on a single family home. So check that out. If you haven't, you know, um, by all means, please get the video. Uh, even if you're not interested in creative in the creative financing Academy, but, uh, now's the time guys. So, uh, any last words, Jeff? Reach out to me if you want that video. Apparently our, um, our hotline number isn't necessarily working anymore. So just reach out to me if you want that video, I'll send it to you. And, um, and you do want it. I, I don't care if you're interested in the creative financing Academy or not. Uh, right. It's start to finish. It's uh, me just talking through what I'm trying to figure out. And uh, uh, we have gotten very good reviews on that particular video. So, right. um, and we'd love to work with you if you are someone that wants to work. So um, keep that in mind. I, you know, we like having successful students and, we, we can teach you everything that we know. However, if you don't implement it and take action, uh, that's not going to work out very well. So uh, we are only looking for people that really want to make a difference in their life. So cool. Okay, guys, till next time, go out there and create some terms. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.